Morning, folks. If you're a student, you're dismissed. Do you need me to move that over? Okay. I have no idea why that just happened. What happened there? There, there it is. All right. Um, welcome. I greet you in the name of my Savior. I'm happy as heck that y'all are here. And I'm ha more happy that I'm here. Um, Brenda, thank you for uh, helping us get our mind in the game. <laughs> Forgive the... <laughs> um, but And feeling free yeah. enough to sing, which means now I feel free enough to sing, which makes the music team just tremble yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in preparation. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody challenged me, oh, I guess 35, 38 years ago, to, uh, to consider the possibility that God really is waiting every morning uh, to meet with, with me and with each of us. Not all of us, but each of us. There's a difference. Uh, and to consider the possibilities, consider the, the potential that He is and, and just to add what you said even makes it more exciting that he literally would be singing about he just can't wait he can't wait to have that encounter with us do we consider the 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 I believe the reality that we you know we we talk like we want an encounter with God do we consider the possibility that he wants an encounter with us and what that might mean to him I don't think we add anything to God, but He just likes being with us. He delights in it, and um, yeah. You ready? I am. Okay, let me pray for us. Lord, I thank You that we can be together as a family. I pray that You would give us the grace to lay down all the things that distract us from giving you our attention and really opening up our hearts to what your Holy Spirit wants to say to us. I want to be still. That's very hard for me. But I want to be still. Not so that you can be God, but so that I can know that you're God. Please let it be so in my life today and in all of our lives. I ask in Christ's name. Amen. Um, we're going to talk today about uh, one of the attributes of God. If you were here last week, we, I, didn't really, I never used the phrase. Well, I'll tell you what, before I get into all that. Um, because we are the image bearers of God, we are made in His likeness, and therefore we share a lot of qualities that God possesses. Many of His attributes He bestowed upon us. He gave to us. But there are certain attributes of God that He doesn't share with anybody. Very important that we realize it's that which distinguishes God 
from us. Yeah. What are what are the there's three big ones you learned these in Sunday school when you what were little. These? Yeah, omniscience. Yeah. Right. So knowing what does that mean? Knows everything. Yep. Yeah, he knows everything. All of it. Um, omnipresence. So he's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And omnipotence, mm-hmm. which if you remember your Latin one, is all, do you remember your no, Latin one? No, no, I don't remember go, going to that, I'm sure I went into that class, but I don't remember. Uh, all powerful, <laughs> potent, all powerful. Yes, that, that God is all places, yep. God is aware of or all knowledgeable things. of all things and that God is all-powerful. And it's that one that's the most theologically God, God being uh, omniscient, of course. Uh, God being omnipresent, of course. It's, it's what does it mean that God is omnipotent, that he is all-powerful? John Piper says that it is God's omnipotence that makes God continually happy. God is never not happy. I'm not saying he's not also, we, we can have multiple emotions at the same time, right? So and I, God can do. Um, but because God is omnipotent, there is nothing that occurs that God didn't will to occur. Therefore, there's never anything that blocks his will from occurring. Therefore, there's nothing that would ever happen that would make him not happy. I find that interesting to ponder. Creates as many problems as it does solutions, but it's a nice thing to, to think about. Um, I, would, I would challenge us today just thinking about God's omnipotence to consider the fact that of all the qualities of God that the Bible discusses and declares, overwhelmingly the quality that the Bible emphasizes the most about God is His omnipotence, His power. Much more than His omniscience, much more than his omnipresence, much more than any other quality that God possesses. The one that the Bible, it's not even, there's not even a close second, third, or fourth. You've got all these other qualities that the Bible teaches us about God, and then, I don't know the percentage, but it's this huge uh, uh, difference in how often the Bible describes or reveals or reminds or declares that God is omnipotent. Wonder why, why, why do you think, Shirley, that that would be the quality more than God, well, no, the Bible would say that God is loved the most. No. In fact, that would be way down the list. Way down the list. But that God is our, God provides, God protects, God helps, God heals, all of those. But wonder why the Bible emphasizes God's power more than all the others. I know it's a tough question. Well, we, 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 
his presence and his knowledge seem to be a comfort, mm-hmm. right? To me, anyway. Um, power, it seems to me like, um, might be the thing that, I hadn't thought about this till you were just talking, that we as human beings might judge the most about mm-hmm. God. Because mm-hmm. if we believe that he's all-powerful, then what we naturally want as human beings is for him to be all-powerful in the way that we want him to be. Omniscience, that's, that, that makes sense. Either he, God knows everything or he doesn't. Um, he's everywhere or he isn't. But power is like, use your power for me. And so the way I think it should be used. So when that mm-hmm. happens, that's great. When it doesn't happen, then it seems to me like I need some encouragement or some explanation. You see what I'm saying? Or maybe he's not all powerful. If he's not using that power the, the way, way I, think I he want should. him to, yeah. then the, one of the reasonable conclusions is he's not all powerful. That's what I'm going to question. That's why you yeah. know, maybe he's yeah. not all powerful. If he didn't do, yeah. he did this for you, but he didn't do this for me. So, so his power is limited. It's right. not, yes, he has power, but it's not all power, mm-hmm. right? So it seems to me like the, the attribute that's for us, fallen human beings, the most uh, quick to judge. I would not even thought of that. We don't spend a lot of time rehearsing this or comparing notes. I'd not even thought of that. You should see these notes. You can barely read them. I think they're rather <laughs> perfect myself. Um, the reason I think the Bible, another reason I think the Bible emphasizes God's power far and away the most often of all God's qualities is because if it doesn't matter, to be quite honest with you, if God loves me. If he doesn't have the power to reveal that love. Has there ever been anybody in your life that you said, I know I should love them, but I can't. I, uh, I'm trying to think, see somebody in here that, well, I won't use somebody personal. Uh, but there are people in this room who I know need help. I want to help them, but I can't. I'm aware of the need, and I have a desire to. I want to help you, Linda, have perfect health for the rest of your days on this earth. I'm aware, and I desire, but I can't. Just because God is aware of my need and wants to help me. What makes that special concerning God is that he, unlike everyone else on the planet, has the power to help, the power to protect, the power to provide, the power to heal. I want to save you. You need saving, and I want... But if I don't have the power to save you, who cares? At the end of the day, who cares what God is aware of? Who cares what God wants to do if he doesn't have the power to do it? That's why I think overwhelmingly the Bible emphasizes that God is all-powerful. You, you brought it up. Uh, I didn't know you were going to, but because of what you just said, Shirley, of all God's qualities, attributes, 
the one that I struggle with the most is the fact that God is all-powerful. If God is all-powerful, and if He has committed that power to my good, why do things go the way they do? I struggle personally. This is not theoretical or metaphorical. This is real life. I struggle regularly in my faith. Theologically, of course not. Intellectually, of course not. But in the part of me that it makes up the real Larry Ray, I struggle trusting in God's power and believing that He has committed that power to me. And yet, as I said earlier, of all the things the Bible declares about God, His number one quality, just by sheer ink on page, is that God is all-powerful. Psalm 89, Your arm is endowed with power, O Lord, and your hand is strong, and your right hand is exalted. Exodus 15, Your right hand, O Lord, is glorious in power, and it shatters our enemies. 1 Chronicles 29, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor, for all things in heaven and earth are yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted as head over all. And then finally, Jeremiah 10, 6, no one is like you, Lord. You are great, and your name is mighty in power. Those are the words that we say when the hurricane is coming and it doesn't blow our house down. Yes. We, 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 we'll put those Bible verses on little plaques praise and put the them Lord, all over our walls. Or a bumper sticker. We'll have those bumper stickers all over the back of our car. Hurricane misses my it, house. When it misses our house. It's just that when it blows our house down. Yes. That's when we, whatever, mm -hmm. feel it, whatever verb, judge, deny, whatever. Mm -hmm. Romans 1, Paul says, God's eternal power and His divine nature have been clearly seen from what has been made in creation. What Paul's saying there is, is that when we witness the tides or the waves or floods or earthquakes or volcanoes or the fact that one morning God woke up and said, you know, I want all the leaves on all the trees on the planet to fall off in a very brief period of time and they obey. And then a few months later, I want all those barren trees to produce leaves again. That taking place, what Paul's talking about is, when you witness the world that God created operating as it operates, those are declarations by God to you and to me that He is all powerful. His activity in the Old Testament, primarily the Old Testament, creation, the flood, um, the, 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 the defeat, the, the, if it wasn't so significant, it would be pitiful. The pitiful defeat of the Egyptian gods before the God of Moses. 
um, the uh, splitting of the Red Sea, uh, God's provision every day for 40 days in taking care of several million people and probably at least that many livestock. His provision in the wilderness. His display of His power in the, um, uh, the conquest of the promised land. The fact that one of His favorite generals was sent out to defeat some of these big enemies and he just ran out of time. He just flat dab ran out of time and he said, God, I don't have enough time to do what you asked me to do. Could you give me a little extra time? And God said, yeah, I can do that. And he stopped the sun for 23 hours. All of, those aren't just stories. Those aren't even just events that we should know because they happened. And they did. Those are God's way of displaying. And, I, and how many could you add, right? How many, how many other events could you add where God is just saying, I am absolutely all powerful. The sheer mathematical precision of the way the orbits, uh, I'm yes. always flummoxed by that idea. She loves outer space. I do. And how they mm -hmm. never, and I'm not saying they don't crash into one another every once in a while, but... You, you can look on your phone in your pocket and find out exactly when the next full eclipse is going to come down to the second and where you need to stand latitudinally and longitudinally to see it. Hmm. That's not our invention. That is the mathematical precision of an all-powerful God. Yes. yes. Colossians 1 says, In Christ, all things were created in heaven and in earth, seen and unseen, all thrones and powers and rulers and authorities, all has been created through Him and for Him, and He was before all things, and He holds all things together. And then Paul adds, that what did I say? That's in Colossians 1, and it's almost like Paul said, dead gummit, I forgot to add a little phrase, so he jumps over to Hebrews chapter 1, and he says, God holds all things, exact same phrase, God holds all things together by the power of His Word. Not He rolls up His shoulder, His uh, sleeves, and bends down, and whew, and no, no, no. Just, just, he just says it. He holds all things together, all things operating the way you just described. He does that by the power of his word. God reminds us of his power by how many times in the Bible and in history. Now, we don't like this, just so you know, depending on which side of the aisle you sit. doesn't matter. You still don't like it about half the time. Um, God raises up leaders and He sets them down. He raises you up for a certain moment in history because He has things that He wants you to accomplish and He wants to do through you. And when He gets tired of that, He sets you down as fast as He raised you up. He did that with Pharaoh. He did that with Joseph. He did it with David. He did it with um, the Assyrians and the Babylonians, and the Medes, and the Persians, and the Romans. He just, and we're not talking about just individuals. Yes, but he raises up empires 
and uses them and then sets them down. Daniel 2 says that God changes the times and the seasons. He disposes, I'm sorry, deposes kings and raises others up. And then in the life of Jesus, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, Jesus' life, if you read it with the right lens, was his, was his life a life of compassion? Of course. Was his life a life of wisdom? Yes. Was his life a life of mercy and forgiveness and, and, and care? Of course. But at the end of the day, if you read the life of Jesus as it's displayed in the Gospels, he lived a life that declared, I am that God of all power. I am all powerful. And the way he changed water into wine. And if you're Baptist, then he changed it from the wine into grape juice. But, uh, but anyway, he, he, he changed, he had the ability to literally take a liquid that's one thing and change it into another, maybe a second thing, depending on your theology. Um, um, he, uh, uh, healing people, stopping storms, feeding thousands from a little boy's lunch, casting demons out of people that were possessed by the devil himself, raising individuals back to life from the dead. And the Bible would say more than anything else, or at least the New Testament would say more than anything else, that Jesus' greatest manifestation of power was when he... And sometimes the Bible says that Jesus did it himself. Other times the Bible says that the Father did it for Jesus. Good. Um, but when Jesus rose from the dead himself. Matthew 28 says that... Or in Matthew 28, Jesus says, All power in heaven and in earth have been given to me. And back in Romans 1, Paul said that the Lord Jesus was appointed the Son of God in power by His resurrection from the dead. It is a big deal. If you leave here today and can't remember very much that we said, I hope that you will leave here and remember this. It is a big deal to God that we are convinced that God is all-powerful and that God has committed that power to your good. It's not just that he has this power. So like Bill Gates got a lot of money. But he ain't giving me jack. He's got it. But he has not shared it with me in any way. God possesses all power. But he's not just got all power. The Bible repeatedly says that he shares that power he uses that power for our good and he shares that power with us. In Psalm 68, the psalmist says, O Israel, God is awesome in power and he gives his power and strength to his people. In Psalm 89, the psalmist says, Lord God, you are our glory and our strength and by your grace, you have exalted our horn or our strength. The word horn there means our strength. In the New Testament, Paul says it this way in Ephesians 1, O Lord, may God reveal to us His incomparably great power that is available to all who believe. 
And then the Bible, I'm not going to take the time because we're running out of time, but the Bible, I've got about seven, actually ten, different verses that tell us not just that God is all-powerful, and not just that God shares that power with us, but it says at least ten times, probably more, remember, remember that I'm all-powerful. Just in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, it says, remember God had the power to create us. In Genesis 9, remember the power that God displayed when He destroyed all life in the flood. Exodus 13, remember when you were delivered from Egypt's oppression by God's power. On and on and on. I can give you all these verses that say, remember God's power. And the point is, if we're not careful, we forget. You don't need to be reminded of anything that you don't forget, right? So when God says over and over and over again back, remember that God has all powerful and that He's committed that power to you. The, the tendency that we have when God doesn't use His power the way we think He should is we tend to forget that the God of the Bible who perfectly displayed Himself and revealed Himself through the person of Jesus Christ and ultimately confirmed that He was God by rising from the dead, that that God is the God of all power. I think it's very important that we remember that God has graciously decided to share that power with us. He's committed His power to us. He's committed His power to us to help us endure life's greatest difficulties and frustrations and pains and losses. One of the verses that everyone in this room probably knows, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Do you know what the context of that verse is? What we, I want to shoot a good game or a good round of golf today, I can do all things through Christ. Or Weldon wants to make a good grade on an exam uh, in grad school. Um, I, I can do all things through Christ. We can do all the, But the context... Now listen. Listen to this. The context of Paul saying, I can do all things through Christ. Do you know the context that he's talking there? I can be content. I can be, con I can be content in the place that God has put me. That's a bigger giant than Goliath. <laughs> to literally believe that God, no matter what my circumstances, I can learn to walk in peace and contentment by accessing the power of God. I would say that's probably one of the truths in the Bible that is the most hard to believe. Yes. How can anyone be can content be? in a bad marriage? Uh -huh. How can anyone be content with a sick child? How can anyone be content with a crummy boss? How can anyone be content with a life that is less than we believe is good? How can I learn to be? How is that possible? That's what Paul's talking about. With the power of God, we can learn to be content in the most difficult of circumstances.
Colossians 1 says, Be strengthened with God's glorious power so that you will endure with patience. God shares His power with us, not just so that we can endure the difficulties of life. He gave us power to defeat our enemies in the battles of our lives. He literally, the Bible says that He has shared with us His power to defeat our battle with fear, selfishness, hate, pride, lust, anger, unbelief, addiction, and family dysfunction. Do we realize that God has made accessible to us the power that we need to defeat the real enemies in our lives? I, I'm convinced more than ever in my life that God did not commit His power to us just to make us nicer. Do you understand that? That is not God's plan for you. Just to be a little nicer. To just be a little better husband. Just a little better student. Just a little better at selling real estate. Just a little better at managing uh, properties all over the place, etc. That's not what God... That, God's not interested in that. That's not what God's up to in your life and in my life. God's not committing His power to us to just make us better and nicer. God is transforming weeds into sequoias and worms into warriors and corpses into athletes and paupers into kings and haters into lovers and takers into givers. That's what Paul is talking about when he says we, are been, we have been made new creations. He's not just taking a lump of clay and molding it into a nice little army man like my grandson does, but it's still clay. Oh, it's, it's now it's a better form. It looks like, no, no, that's not what God's doing. He is transforming us into totally new creations so that we are able to live the life of Christ like He lived it on this earth. He gives us the power to tell the truth when only a fool would do so. To be honest when it would be so much simpler, easier, and advantageous to just shave off the edge of what is honest and right and good. To forgive people that only a crazy person would forgive. To ask forgiveness when you know that's going to be the most costly admission of your life. To bless when you want to curse. To give when you want to take. To sacrifice when you want others to sacrifice. To serve when you want others to serve us. My favorite of all these things that God shares is power. God gives me and God gives you the power to get home. I'm going to get home one day. 
And you are too if Jesus lives in your heart. And I don't have to live in fear. Will I make it? Hope I make it? Oh, you know, no, no, no. God tells me that He gives us the power to get us home. And you know what? His power is so great that God doesn't give us the power to get home in spite of death. God gives us the power to get home and He uses death. The very, the arch enemy of mankind, death itself. He says, not only am I going to keep that from robbing you, I think I'll make you their servant. And I'll use your very enemy to fulfill my greatest plans for your life. That's why Paul says in 2 Timothy 4, God will rescue me from all my attacks and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom. I want you to hear me. Rare is the day that I don't have a man or a woman or both sitting in front of me and they will say something to this effect. I can't. I cannot forgive you. I cannot ask them to forgive me. I cannot serve. I cannot love. I cannot bless. I won't. I can't. It's impossible. Do you know? Now, if you're not a Christian, okay. Who am I to say you're not right? But if you and I have Almighty God Himself living inside us, for me to ever say, I can't, or it won't happen, or it's impossible. I'm saying more about what I believe about God than what I believe about myself. It is absolutely heresy for a child of God to ever say, I can't. That's impossible. That could not happen when God and His power are involved. That's what that verse means. I can do all things. Yes. Yes. Through Christ who strengthens me. Not on my own. 2 Corinthians 13 says that Jesus was crucified in weakness and yet He lives by God's power and we are to live by that very same power. Paul says in Ephesians 6, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. And in 2 Corinthians 12, Paul says, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. we got to quit. I do want to just challenge us to consider what Charlie started us off with, and that is, as long as things are going our way, and God is cooperating with our plan for us, for our finances, for our health, for our children, for our mate, for our country. I have no problem with God being all-powerful. Woohoo! But God is all-powerful all the time. He doesn't switch it off and on. That's why they can mathematically know with absolute certainty yeah. when the eclipse and where the eclipse is going to happen because he doesn't switch it off. It's set. It's set. 
Do we recognize that God is all-powerful and that God has committed that power to us, but God wants us to use His power for His purposes and His plans. I'm glad God has entrusted His power to me. But I want to use it the way I want to use it. And you know, the Bible is filled with people who thought that they could use God. They believed God gave them power. But they wanted to use God's power according to their plans rather than God's. I think of Samson. What better example of a human being that God said, I'm going to give you as much power. I'll give you all the power you want. But he never used it the way God wanted him to. And it didn't end very well. When the Israelite, the Ark of the Covenant was the most powerful physical thing that ever existed. It was a box made of gold that literally the presence of God dwelt upon. So much so that when you put that box in the temple of another god, the gods, of the, the, those foreign gods, would just fall down on their faces to acknowledge that Jehovah God was the real God. But when the Israelites tried to use God's power for their plans, it didn't go well. In the New Testament, uh, uh, remember when Paul in the book of Acts, it talks about Paul was going around casting out demons and there was these seven sons of a dude named Sceva. <laughs> I love the story because they saw that Paul would say Jesus' name and say, come out, demons, in Jesus' name. And demons would come running out of people. And so these seven sons of Sceva said, man, that's a good deal. We can make some money on that deal. We can get some reputation. We can get famous. And they started going around saying, come out in Jesus' name. Problem was, when you use God's power in ways that God doesn't want you to use it, it doesn't go well. And those, anyway, I'll, you can read the story in the book of Acts, but it did not go well for those seven sons. Um, in 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul says, Join me in suffering for the gospel's sake by the power of God. Join me in suffering for the gospel's sake by the power of God. When we use God's power to do the things that we know according to Scripture are God's plans, kingdom-related plans, selfless plans, holiness that being transformed into the image of Christ by wanting to overcome sin. We, things that we know are God's plans. God wants us to use His power. But we need to be very careful, folks, about trying to access God's power to do things that we want but are not necessarily God's plans. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Jeremiah says, Call unto me, or God says through Jeremiah, Call unto me, and I will answer you, 
and show you great and mighty or powerful things that you want. No, that's not what he says. What he says is, call unto me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things that you do not know. The very fact that I'm asking God to use his power on things that I already know about probably mean that that's not, that's not where God's focused. God's trying to use his power through my life and your life on things that are beyond our understanding, beyond our values, beyond our experience. He's trying to do things. Tell me a person in the Bible that God manifested his power through who later on said, I knew that's what God was going to do through me. Remember Moses saying that? Oh, I knew what God was going to do with his power through my life. Or Joshua, or David, or Peter, or Paul. None of them had any idea how God was going to manifest his power through their lives. They called upon the Lord, and God answered them, and he showed them great and mighty things that they did not know about. Not just the things they wanted. I want us to think about that today. Anything else you want to add, friend? It's a good place to stop. Okay. Love you. In Psalm 77, the psalmist says, I will remember the Lord's deeds and I'll remember your ancient miracles. I'll ponder all of your works and I'll meditate on all of your mighty deeds for your ways, O God, are holy. What God is as great as our God? You are the God who performs miracles and you display your power among your people. With your mighty arm, you redeem your chosen ones. We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Do I have somebody that's going to come? Okay, good. Dale and Donna, hello. I tell you every week that we take bread and wine and we eat and we drink to remember what the Lord Jesus did for us. We eat and we drink to declare our faith in what Jesus did on the cross. We eat and we drink to remind ourselves and one another that Jesus has died and risen again and lives in our hearts. Well, there are many reasons that we eat and we drink and reflect and remember and ponder. But there is no reason more important than by eating and drinking that which symbolizes the body and the blood of Jesus just to remember the power that God displayed when His Son bore the weight of the sins of the world upon His life and died and was placed in a grave and three days later He rose again from the grave. If God would display His power in such an incredible way and then tell us that he has committed that same power to you. 
Should that not give you hope? Should that not give you encouragement? Should that not give you strength? Should that not give you joy? Should that not give you peace? Oh Lord, let it be so. Amen.